Welcome to the Three Kings Podcast, the one place where real men have real conversations, but from a kingdom point of view. With your hosts, Rob B. Free Badgett, Will Big Steel Wells, and Rob Resurrect Connolly. Sit back, tune in, and let the king speak. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Three Kings Podcast. We Ooh. we are moving right along. We're excited about what God is doing. We how are. You, how do you feel so far? I know you got a swivel. And I feel uh, pretty good <laughs> today. Uh, super pumped. I hit a PR on the overhead press. PR for the... Uh, Strict overhead press, 315 what, pounds. Know, what is PR? Mean? Oh, personal record. Sorry. Okay. For those who don't work out. Or lift weights like uh, everybody else. No, I didn't know what PR meant. He doesn't know because he doesn't lift weights. But those that lift weights understand. Uh, hit a PR, 315 pounds, overhead, real easy. You don't have to use the microphone. I'm sorry, but I'm just telling you because I'm super pumped about it. I do more calisthenics. Uh, do you? It's really where, no. You've been pushing up, still pushing? No. I'm back on my grind. I was coming off an injury. I'm back on my grind. You do like 20 push-ups. I can do way more than 20 push-ups. You Thank you. <laughs> Don't be a hater. Be a motivator. He's a professional hater. Like, nobody can maximize the level of strength and conditioning as William Big Steel Wells. But, um, yeah, that's good. We got a special guest in the studio today. One of the things we're here about, uh, here, all about here is just change, change and transformation. Uh, we talk a lot about outreach. We talk a lot about fatherhood. We talk about impact. Um, and this brother has a long-standing history and proven track record, and he's making you know changes. Which he has a he has a he has an approach that's very subtle, but it's effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not loud, flamboyant, uh, but he is a brother and brother. I mean, a man of color. And for those of you who don't know. We uh, do ministry in a city called Brockton, Massachusetts, which is a very interesting city in, it um, is. in so many it ways. Is interesting. And one of the ways, um, you know, well, it's hard to do a lot of things and be effective out here. There's a lot of diversity, yes. but there's still a lot of segregation. Right. And we call it old money, old money in Brockton, <laughs> you know, and... Us three. That's the white thing to say. The white thing. The to right say. thing to say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, be careful. Be careful. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and the three of us, we've worked inside the school system, outside of the school system. We've been in the streets doing ministry, uh, in the offices and w- houses, every every Everywhere. level, every level. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's not often that you see a brother who uh, is sold out for the kingdom, but he puts on a suit every day and mans up and uh, goes out to look literally at Literally puts kids. on a suit every Literally day. puts <laughs> on a suit. Yeah, I can Yeah, literally puts puts on a suit every day. We mm-hmm. see this guy, you know, every morning he's out, you know, <laughs> doing his thing. He's got, in the winter months, he's got on some boots, sweatsuit, uh, you know, a, a car hot. Was it a car hot? It looked like it. Looked like a car hot. Yeah, it's a thick jacket. You know, mm-hmm. walking scary. the kids across the street. Walking kids across the street. Always smiling. Always smiling. Yeah. Uh, we want to welcome our guest to the show, Mr. Carlton Campbell. A round of applause for us. Yeah. Cue the clap track. Cue the clap track. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you all. Thank you all. I Man, you're our first welcome. official guest. First official. It's an honor. Counted as an honor to be with three great young 
man as well. Amen. Man of color, man for God. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. For those who don't know you, man, like, who are you? Where'd you come from? You got a long history. Brockton Legacy. Yes. Legacy. Legacy indeed. Amen. 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 It's kind of ironic, you know, thinking about where I came from, you know, where I was and where I am today. And it's all because of the plan of God, to be honest with you. I think uh, we moved here when I was 14 from Charleston, South Carolina. Mm. Um, I think um, we had both our parents with us. I had four brothers and sister. And um, we moved here. And uh, my father had a good government job. And he said God told him to move. Really? Um, God told him to move. And um, at that time, we were getting in trouble. I think <laughs> we were still going to church. And we still were hanging out with you know bad kids. Our kids that we enjoy doing bad things with. Yeah. Um, as you know, God gave him this vision to move when we were 14. We were all a little down, disappointed, and we um, had to follow the path. I mean, we got in our 1977 Buick um, <laughs> car and I pulled a trailer, and we had nine of us came into Massachusetts. Nine of you. Nine. Yeah. And, um, do you know all of your siblings' names? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, Bobby, Ronnie, Tito, <laughs> Mike. I do. I do. And we got here. We for first of all, we uh, actually came to Boston. We from Charleston, and Charleston's a pretty clean city. Um, low crime. We got to Boston, and it was really dumpy, yep. dirty, and rundown, and trash was everywhere. And we wanted to go back immediately. What um, year was that? This was in 1983, 84 when we got okay. here. So, okay. So we got here. It was like, I think yeah. we were in the heart of Mattapan, Rochester. Shout out to Mattapan, that's <laughs> where I'm from. Yeah, so we yeah. were like, this is impossible. So we, uh, the guy, I forgot his last name, named, by the name of Malcolm, he um, he, oh, he gave us um, welfare, a little welfare assistant, and he pointed us to Brockton. Mm. Um, we ended mm. up staying in the Bryan Hotel for about a week, a week wow. and a half. And I don't know if it's still there, but Sorry to hear it's that. there. Uh, you know, from there we knew the McGallisters. They found that we had a place upstairs on the third floor mm-hmm. of their homes, and they allowed Wayne us. McAllister? To, Wayne McAllister. Wayne McAllister. Wow. We are always going to be in debt <laughs> to the McAllister brothers. Oh they, my gosh! They wow. took they took us in and they welcomed us. And um, we were a lot of like, there was a lot of us at the time, and I think it may have been a three bedroom apartment, so on the third floor. Mm. Um, so they took us in, and we always we always pay them great respect mm. for just giving us the chance. To live in their home and then live on Turner Street. You lived on Turner Street. I lived on Turner. I lived a lot of places. Wow. <laughs> That's where we moved to. Yeah, because right. right. yeah, Wayne McAllister lived down the street on Turner Street. Mm-hmm. He had the little brown apartments, and it was three. It was a three family. I did not know that. Yeah, I went to North Middle School. Actually, oh. uh, from there I went to Brockton High. You know, God blessed us. <laughs> and you know, God, you know, He shine, He shine, He you know, shine upon my family. Mm. You know, I had three brothers, um, actually two that played football with me. You know, my sister actually as well. So, and I had a younger brother named uh, Leonard. Um, so God blessed us when we moved to Massachusetts. We started our ministry, our church ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, we all participated in the church. I played the drums at the time. My brother played the keyboards. And my brother, uh, other brother Chris, actually sang in the choir. Wow! So we started doing the work. Oh, thing. Chris! <laughs> I'll never let you forget that. That's Wait till right. I see you. Chris Campbell. Chris Campbell. Wow! Sang in the choir. He sang in the choir. He's a pretty and good he was singer. A, and he was a soprano, wasn't he? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Wait so. Wait till I see Chris. Wow. Oh man! And he was a pretty good singer. Yeah. So oh, you know, we were heavily involved in the church. I think one year when we started playing football, I think. We had an interview with Channel 7. They came to interview us. 
about being different as far as being Christians and you sure. know being athletes at the same time. Absolutely. Wow. And they did that. I think cha- that was Channel Seven, if I'm not mistaken. And you they saw did that. that movie? Uh, no. That was years ago, but, but um, it makes sense. Uh, we yeah. actually had a church. We actually had our first church on, I believe, 48, uh, 48 West, uh, actually 80 West Elm Street. Then we moved to. Uh, 55 Green Street. Mm. So we did move several places, but we started the ministry and mm. the ministry group. Our family was blessed. Wow. Um, none of us went to jail, um, mm. and none of us were dead. Mm-hmm. And God, you know, yeah. God exalted us. Mm. Yeah. And you know, ever since we got to Massachusetts, I was a different person. Mm. I didn't steal anymore. I didn't hang out with bad kids. Um, God gave us a different path. You know, sometimes it takes moving, uh, changing your environment. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that a lot of people tend to forget. Um, Let me ask you, um, what was it like you guys were a family, a large family of color, uh, Christians, and, you know, you're coming from this southern place up the north part of Massachusetts. Like, in those days, and at that time it was a largely white uh, city. Like, what was it like for you guys really stepping into this realm and you know laying your laying the groundwork to do ministry out here well that's a really good question one of the things that was you know unique was being in Brockton I believe like you said the school when I went to school was 80 percent white mm-hmm. um, you know it was unique because we were th- we were different in the sense that we came from the south uh, there were a lot of racial issues but you know through our brain, we kind of, when we got here, we, we it was kind of like heaven, to be honest with you. Mm. We struggled in school tremendously down south. It was like we were being oppressed. And when we got to Brockton, we didn't kind of experience that oppression. I was like, wow, oh. the t- people were welcoming. Uh, they were open, and they we were very respectful. We still had a lot of southern etiquette. We often said, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Mm. So we were very respectful, very mannerable. And, you know, we uh, we were all, I believe we were loved in the community, but we were also, you know, people that respected others. Mm-hmm. That was also, you know, instilling us. You know, even though you know we kind of did a little dirt on the side, we mm-hmm. still had some family values and family. We, we talk a lot about um, fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of our previous episodes, we really talked about that. You know, <coughs> I'd just like to know more of your thoughts about um, some of the things that your father was instilling in you guys. Oh. And then some of those things that you've passed on, you know, because it's hard to keep the the fa- the fabric of legacy, you know, for decades and generations. And everybody in this city, they know a Campbell, yeah. you know, from mm-hmm. something. It's like, <laughs> no, we know the Campbells, mm-hmm. right. and and it's it's usually in a good light, you know. And you've been out here since the '80s. That you don't see that. There's a couple different families out here, except for Chris, yeah. except for Chris Campbell. I'm coming for you, Chris. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. what were some of the things that were really laid and instilled in you guys that have still, you know, stood today? Well, there was quite a few things my we learned from my father. Um, he was a fa- he was always a family man. He always put family first. So whatever you know we had to do, we did as a family. When we were involved in sports, our church, he was always there. So he always was there. He kind of guided us to taught us how to be men um, a lot. We were disciplined, but we were loved at the same time. Um, he instilled a lot of you know positive values for us how to be a strong man. How to be independent. If you wanted something, you go out and you work for it. Um, you don't wait. You don't make excuses. You don't cry about what you don't have. Uh, who, who has what? Um, you always kind of had a vision, you know. And he taught us how to have a vision of what we want and not make excuses. 
because every you know if you don't, if he always said if you didn't like something go out and get your own mm-hmm. and and that still holds true today whenever you don't think you can help make change uh, be a difference you got you know you always could go try mm-hmm. do the best you can on your own to each his own mm-hmm. i think uh, there's so many wonderful values my father mm-hmm. taught me uh, my kids often say you like what your dad you i have four daughters Oh, four <laughs> daughters. I have four daughters, a grandson. <laughs> I, my uh, son is Denarius Campbell. Um, um, uh, he actually helped raise him with my wife. He's actually my brother and my sister-in-law's son. We took her in as well. Four yeah, daughters. so we've four always, daughters. yes, four mm-hmm. daughters. Jeez. We're going to talk about uh, a lot about your ministry, but I want to know why, are, why aren't you or one of your brothers in the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, when I was, went to college, Coughlin, uh, he wasn't the coach, but Big Nell was the coach. Mm-hmm. Coughlin came in. Um, as far as me sizing up to what he uh, envisioned as a line, linebacker, and I wasn't that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, my kind of brother, Chris, kind of shattered his knee when he played, I think it was mm-hmm. last year, so he had to be total reconstructed. Mm-hmm. Um, Donnell was the closest. Um, he kind of, you know, he got a shot. He got an opportunity. Um, he was hurt, but he kind of let his mouth get him until a little bit. Because he got drafted by the Carolina Panthers, right? Actually, he got picked up by the Indianapolis Colts, the Colts, the free agent. Oh, okay. And I guess he kind of, you know, kind of let his mouth got him, get him into a little trouble as far as oh. a lot of talking. Right, so and he kind of took himself out of the <coughs> equation. He yeah, yeah. I think if he just was a little bit more humbler and, you know, just worked hard, I think he probably would have been successful. But you can't, you know, try to do what other people are doing. You've got to do what God allows you to do. And do his work and be your own man. So what was it like? What was it like playing football in Brockton back in the '80s? I mean, cause, you know, you said you, you were interviewed. You know, being an athlete, being a Christian. What was that mindset like on a football team in Brockton way back then? That's a really, really good question. <laughs> Growing up back then, uh, playing for Brockton High football. Was Columbo the coach back then? Armand, yes. Coach Armand Armand Columbo was, was the head the coach. coach. Absolutely. Um, yes, he, he was. He's the man. Yes. I never seen him naked. Oh, yes, I have. Because he used to think, yes, because he used to think Charles was the player. Yeah, that's a guy. Not exactly, not in the same shower room, but if the players were showering, he would take a shower too. And he would walk around because he were all men. So, yeah. No, he would be naked. All right. He was naked. He would hold a full conversation. Come on. And I was just like, dude, I'm not used to this. And <laughs> you're just like talking. It's like the old guys at the Y. Right. Yeah. It's like they're so comfortable they're doing like, it. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like, uh, yeah, yeah. I used to be a water boy. Bro. Yeah. Oh. Well, my oh. brother played. Oh, a tie played. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. yeah. Um, I was the mascot in 97. I just want to point you that out. Wow. Nobody cared. Thank you. Nobody cared. Uh, excuse me. We had uh-huh. Peter Harris. But anyway, this not about it. He was incredible. Yes. Oh. You was the mascot? Uh-huh. <laughs> he said Peter Harris was incredible. Oh, I was incredible too oh, as the mascot. Yes. We won that year in '97 because of me. Oh, because I was the mascot. Yes, he yes. brings us up right. all the time. Yes, thank you. Yes. What did you do? What did I do? I kept the crowd going. I was yeah. the only <laughs> mascot doing the bogle. Just all right, so, and the running uh, man. He was funny. So he was funny. Wow. But it was a it was a good time. He coach Armand Colombo was an awesome coach. Mm. He demanded greatness. Uh, we work hard. We were expected to win. And you give you a job to do, you expect yeah, to Yeah, you guys were the powerhouses back then. Yeah, but right? it took a lot of work, and it, take a mi- it takes a mindset. It takes a mindset. you got to believe that. you got to go out and work, and you got to go out and execute. you always got to play as one. Mm-hmm. I think you can't let nothing affect being a part of a team. 
when we played with Coach Colombo, no one really, no one got hurt. Today I, I coach a little bit, and guys dropped like flies. Man, when we really? played, no one got hurt. No people didn't because if you got hurt or you sat out, you may have lost your job. Oh my so God. no one wanted to lose their job. I see. So that you was fighting for survival every week yeah. um, to make sure you're on the field mm. because we had uh, so much talent that if you know I couldn't get it done, mm. I do what he asked, mm. he would get someone else. And <laughs> I didn't like being on the bench. No, we take it personal. <laughs> yeah, as I listen to you talk, I see like I definitely see a different side. I see just like <laughs> you you said something in your head, and even hear any story about your uh your upbringing. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, my dad was like, listen, you know, ain't nothing gonna happen for you if you just wait for it to happen. You gotta go get it. You gotta go after it. You know, and you are a principal um, at a middle school, which um, I think <coughs> is one of the highest performing middle schools in the city. Um, how long have, before you got into that space, like how long have you been in education and what made you decide to jump in that arena of, you know, academia? Uh, well, I've been in education for about, this is my 25th year. Really? Actually, 25 years in education. Right. I've worked. Because when I was a sub, you were at the high school. I was at the high oh, school. Really? 21 years yeah. old. Yeah, you oh, were there. Wow. I was there for quite some time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's I right. Been how around. did you start? Like, how did you start? Actually, I started. Uh, I, I you never left the gym after football. He <laughs> <laughs> just said you're gonna be here. We just gotta, we gotta find something for you to do. Now. Can, Can I get your jersey? No. <laughs> All right, we'll sweep the floor or something. <laughs> Can I go upstairs? <laughs> yeah, go upstairs. The class starts at seven. <laughs> well, this guy, Mr. name Mr. Luigi, gave me an opportunity. Luigi. So yeah, I started in the life skill classroom in, uh, at Brockton High. Okay. Really? And yeah, and they started after that. From there on, I started. Uh, they started the alternative program the Phoenix out of BB Phoenix, yes, I and Phoenix. I went over there for about nine years. Whoa, really? Yeah. Right. Did I you ever do any time at the Phoenix? <laughs> no, I, I did. Yeah. No, so I did time at um Champion, but oh, not at Phoenix. I was really? at the Phoenix no, really? for one day when you were there. Yes. Remember? I don't know if you remember. But I there remember. was. You remember that there was a the, the kids tried to jump me when I was leaving, <laughs> I and you know you came out of the office. <laughs> Cause like I was about to fight these kids, but you came out of your office. <laughs> he was ready. And you and you just like listen, all right, all right, go home, go home, go home. But you, I remember you exactly coming out of your office when these kids were surrounding me, and I was about to beat the crap out of these <laughs> daggone kids. And you came out and saved their life. So I thank you for that. <laughs> and yeah, we still work together today, man. Yeah, so I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't call the dogs <laughs> off. <for you. laughs> but um, I started there, and um. You know, I moved on to Brockton High. Uh, I think I lasted there for about 14 years. Mm. Um, I started as a classroom history teacher. Uh, when I started, I didn't expect to mm. you know, stick around as long. I figured it'd be just a little stop, and mm. I'll find my real career or something else to do. Mm. And I ended up getting caught up, and um, I kind of liked it. And as I moved forward, I think I did my um, leadership internship in about 2004. Okay. So I did an internship through uh, the city of Brockton and um, public schools. And from there, I actually went on back to get my master's degree uh, from uh, Cambridge College, and I got out extra classes to become an um, administrator. <coughs> so I, you know, saw Mr. Merrill doing it. Um, Mr. Merrill. Yeah, he's Mr. one of Merrill. my role models that actually uh, kind of paved the way for me to get the oh, opportunity. That's so I great. That. And um, from there, I just kind of kept being persistent. It didn't happen right away. Yeah. Because after I completed my um, internship, I kind of waited. I was I, did, I applied many times, but I had to wait for like. 16 years is almost to get 16 a, years? Yeah, to get an opportunity. So Jeez, man. You gotta, um, you gotta kind of 
you know, you gotta be patient, and you got you can't give up, and it's, it's easy to get discouraged. Yeah. And I always cry about the system, but you just gotta keep moving forward, and stick to your plan, and stick mm -hmm. to your vision, and say, well, what I'm going through is nothing for what my ancestors went through. Mm -hmm. If I could wait a little while longer, I'll be all right. So, with all those years uh, in education, was there a time when you felt um, that you were called to education? When you yeah. felt like it was a calling? Yeah, I, I absolutely. I felt it was a calling in my life. Because at the time, there weren't many, and still today, there aren't many men of color. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's, that's key. Yeah, that's true. So you get a mm -hmm. chance to be a role model, and I felt that I was kind of, you know, hopefully saving lives and giving kids guidance mm -hmm. as far as what they want to do in their lives and, you know, giving them hope. Yeah. You know, see that, you know, most of them never see a black teacher, they never yeah. have a black yeah. teacher. Mm -hmm. yeah. So just giving them hope that, uh, I know it's hard, but you can do it. Uh, don't get discouraged and you just got to believe that and you can't really make excuses about the system We live mm -hmm. in the system and uh, mm -hmm. we got to kind of adapt to the system and be successful uh, Because you do get a chance to you know be whatever you want, but it's hard work mm -hmm. and it's determination mm -hmm. and patience 16 years though like what is that process? like of the waiting and the persistence and remaining humble Keeping your integrity intact, not yeah. being angry, not being <laughs> bitter, he frustrated. Sixteen years. <laughs> I wouldn't have. <laughs> I would have left somewhere else, man. <laughs> you know, are you still every day? You got a smile on your face. Your yeah, spirit is right. Sure does, man. And you deal with America's disenfranchised children <laughs> every day. I like, hear you, man. How did you do that? And you are a brother. You're a man. Listen, we we could have several people on, but we feel like we want to exemplify. And lift up brothers who you know are walking in integrity. Yes. Who are setting a standard. And making positive changes Amen. in the school system. Amen. Positive Amen. changes. Amen. That's, you what know, absolutely. that's what it's about. You know, and you are a dude. We like look. This guy. There has to be a story connected to the fact because we worked in the city. <laughs> we understand the politics of the yeah, city. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, in your 16-year wait, you know, for some people it was probably two years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. So exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, what was that process like for you, man? And what were the conversations like when you got home and you talking to your wife and oh, she's man. like, "Hey." Oh man, you went there. Oh yeah. my god. Oh my god. I can remember applying for jobs, and I used to hear all kinds of excuses. I used to hear, you know, I was too angry in interviews. I was too passive. You were too know, angry in You said too angry in yeah. interviews? You were too angry Yeah, in yeah. So Come on. Uh, there, were, there were excuses. And, um, you know, my father, my wife, right <laughs> they <laughs> all just said, you know, believe in God. God said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Don't yeah. give up. Just keep working hard. Um, it's, when God said it's time, it's time. And even though I would get turned out, I would still have a little, you know, a little malice. I still would be angry. Mm because I knew I was qualified, but it was just hard just breaking mm -hmm. through the door. Sure. And I think that was the hard part. And you figure, you look around, you say, this person can do it, or that person can do it. I know I can do it. And you know, lo and behold, God gave me a chance, you know. And then when you get your chance, you gotta be able to prove yourself. You just can't be, we can't cry for certain jobs and we can't perform. I mean, so every day you gotta perform now. You know, you gotta be the best. You gotta be even better than what you were yesterday or when you were six sure, years ago. Absolutely. So I mean, when Doctor Mari gave me a chance, you know, I had always believed that I had to represent, you know, my family. You know, who I am as a person, mm -hmm. uh, who, what I come from, my um, people that paid the price for me to be here, mm -hmm. and the community. So I'm always proving to be, you know, I have to prove to myself that I have mm -hmm. to be the best. 
and uh, to do what's right, you know, be an inspiration. So every day is a new day, and every day I'm trying to be the best at what I can. This guy talks like a boxer. It's still there. We don't get this on Monday through Friday. No. <laughs> is this year first or second year as the principal over at West? This is my second year as the second principal. Year? Yeah, second yeah. year as the principal. Well, the first year, I remember driving by, and it was like the beginning of the school year, and it looked like a car had hit like a generator or something in the front yes. of the school. Yes. I was like, can they give a brother a chance? Like, <laughs> they breaking up the school right when he get it? I know. I mean, what the heck was that? Someone ran through the... the Electrical pulse lights uh, and knock the whole thing off. I guess that was something that happened frequently, but you're right. I mean, you feel like you can't get a break. <laughs> a tree <laughs> fell down in front of the school. Like, my God, come on, Lord, help me out here. <laughs> so, 20 plus years of experience with education. So, from your point of view, what are some of the biggest changes that you would like to see happen in the school system? Oh, boy. Mm. Yeah. He we can split it. this up into two podcasts <laughs> if you want. <laughs> sure. Yes. Uh, Pastor Rob works for a New Heights Charter School, by the really? way. Really? Yes. Okay. But we're all family here. Yeah. There's no... So the question <laughs> was, what would he like There's to change? There's nothing bad. <laughs> no beefs here. No beefs. I can speak on behalf of the charter school. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, I, I like to see a lot of different things. Um, anytime you do something, you always got to have a vision, whether mm -hmm. that's a principal, being a father, you always got to have a vision. A lot of times you got to have a vision for your kids or your family, even for the school. So, um, you know, I, I like to see more diversity in the sense that we have people, of, you know, that could be empowered to actually help make change, mm -hmm. um, actually be more influential. I like to see uh, parents be more accountable and be re more responsible yes. and stop making excuses. Absolutely. Um, and kind of push the child a little harder so I think those are things that we can do right now so um, and challenge the children so I think those are things that I would like to see um, we are you know being in an urban school you always gonna have less than and you're never mm -hmm. gonna have all the resources mm -hmm. but that should never you know stop us from being successful mm -hmm. I mean we never gonna have millions of dollars we never gonna have the best we never gonna have the most elite or most elaborate school so you know, we gotta. You know, I think the goal is still gotta be the same. We gotta mm -hmm. still value education, right? Um, <coughs> to the to the fact that we can actually see real value as far as people coming back to the community, mm -hmm. uh, working in the community, working in the schools, working in law enforcement, working in city hall. So I think that's what we talk about. We talk about real change, and um, in education, people always talk about the power of education and the value of education. Uh, a lot of People in the black communities don't see that type of change because they often kind of, we talk, we heard about the college scam, they kind of get tricked mm -hmm. by going to college and then they don't, they're in debt, mm -hmm. uh, they don't finish and they give the college school a bad name because now there's no benefit to going to school when you're still at home, you're still working on a $8 job, $9 job, so, mm -hmm. and a lot of people feel like they've been hurt, right. you know, all of these years and people were preaching that message about the American dream which is education, and they haven't seen no, you know, no return on their cash right now. So they mm -hmm. want to see, you know, some results. And it's easy to talk about it. And it's easy for me to talk about it, and mm -hmm. you know, because I know how hard it took for me to get here, and it's probably going to take even harder for our children to get there. So, you know, I think we got to show the real value of education when we see people like you, mm -hmm. all the three of you in the school system, and they're working and they're giving back. And you now can go out and tell those kids, if you get an education, you could do X, Y, and Z. Sure. Mm -hmm. So instead of talking about it, you could be about it as far as being 
a person of action and a person that they can actually uh, model. So I think that's key when we talk about real changes and real yeah. impact in our communities because if we don't see that, it's never going to take a whole lot of effect in our communities. Mm. It's just going to be uh, a nuance, a word that's always used. Education is important. I think my mom and dad preached that and instilled that in our hearts. Education is important, and I don't think any of those, none of my parents went to big-time college. Mm -hmm. They always say, you're going to go to big-time college, and we bought into that. Mm -hmm. And God made it way, and it was nothing what we expected, but it was a lot more different. And so, and then you had to go through. So God had gave us the opportunity to go for free because we could never afford to pay $300,000 sure. uh, for 3 a.m. college. So yeah, you went to college for free? Yeah, I went to college for free. Oh, wow. uh, three of us went to BC for free. So BC, that's right. That's the blessing. You got yeah. Boston College. Yeah, God bless that's us right. to go to school for free. Wow. And get free, all three of us graduated from college, you know. <coughs> but we had to work hard. When you get to college, you got to work hard. You can't. those athletic scholarships? Yes, those were athletic scholarships. Mm -hmm. So, but Brockton's been good to us. Um, we've been good to Brockton and we always want to feel like we can give back, but it's hard work. It's hard, it's so, hard work. So uh, we were, you know, you, you mentioned um, getting you know minorities involved. What do you think? How do you think are some good ways that we can influence more minorities to get involved with education in Brockton? Because I know a lot of guys, a lot of people go to school for education, but they don't apply in Brockton. You know, they always apply outside of Brockton. You know, so how do we? kind of influence those who are coming from Brockton to stay in Brockton, uh, minorities? Actually, that's a really good question, you know, because people are always enticed to leave Brockton because they say Brockton is not fair, they don't make enough money. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, I think Brockton's pretty d decent as far as salary is concerned. But um, they have to see guys like you all. I mean, I don't think in many of the schools, if you go to many of the schools, they don't have many... No. Man of color at all. So, <laughs> I mean, when you look at our young black men, I mean, I think that's something that is very important. Mm -hmm. Even some of the parents, they may be shy. So, I think one of the things we have to do in our communities, we gotta, you know, have a, like I said, a vision, a purpose. What, even if the NAACP, what is your purpose now? What are we trying to do as far as steer people in the education? Because those jobs are gonna always be there. But how right. do we get involved with those jobs? How, how what road do we go down? And uh, I've, I've tried it with many kids to hire men of color, but sometimes it's hard to, you know, you can't, you go, my father's obviously can take the horse to the well, but you can't make him drink. Mm -hmm. yeah. I hire yeah. you, you don't show up. So even as a principal, I still look around, but it's hard to hire guys who don't want to <coughs> show up to work, mm -hmm. even if you offer a job. So that's the hardest part. So uh, I think it's, uh, it's got to be a, men a mentality thing. You've got to have a mindset. Mm -hmm. um, you got to want to be different. You can't want to, you can't, you can't. So after we do this with law enforcement, we talk down to people that's going to have jobs anyways. Mm -hmm. We talk mm -hmm. down about, you always say people don't want to be teachers, mm -hmm. people don't want to be policemen. Mm -hmm. And if, remember, if you don't become a policeman or a teacher or a fireman in your community, the white man is going to do it anyways. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. people don't turn away jobs because right. you don't want to do it. So if we don't teach our kids and we don't teach our children, our people about right. taking these jobs, then somebody else is going to do it from outside your community. You're right. It's yeah. like people people have this notion that all these rich, well-to-do uh, white individuals are fearful or, or ponder how they can continue to uh, oppress the black people. Because if you speak to somebody on a city council or someone who's in a higher position in education, law enforcement, or whatever, 
they're not thinking about the black man or what they can do because they already assume that we're going to destroy ourselves anyway. Mm. They're not losing any sleep about us or, or you or, or seeing us unite or come together in the city because they don't believe that will ever happen. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah, when people yeah. use that excuse, you know, or, or to try not to get involved in something like, I just think that's a cop out. You know, I what agree. I, mean? I agree. Yeah. I, I think that's um, that's an, like you said, it's an excuse or something that's holding you back. Like you said, um, you can't change people's perception. You can't change people's views. You can't change people's colors. Um, you only could do what God allow you to do. And if God allow you, you know, be in a certain place in your life, you gotta go get it. And you gotta say, I'm gonna be the best. I'm gonna go get it. Nothing's gonna stop me. Right. Not in 2019. Nothing should be able to stop us. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, we should not have like the lowest level le kids that learn in school. Yeah. Mm. Um, when I look back now, I kind of, kind of slap to our ancestors. As far as you kind of make mm. it, make us look like liars, they said we want to, you know, equal education mm. and we want to be the best. And kind of our kids are kind of, kind of mock making a mockery there right now. And you see this every day. Yeah, and I see it, and I'm like kind of, say, sh it's kind of <laughs> shameful. Mm. So I think we could do a lot better as a people and stop looking to blame other people for mm. our own actions. Now I have a, a two-part question. Mm. Um, one you talked about vision. Um, you know, I'd like to know a little bit more about what is your vision for your school. Mm. Um, you know, as, as well as you lead, how many kids is it at your school? Uh, almost 700. Almost 700. And probably kids. another 200 next year. Yeah. Once Northern's emptied out. Oh, junior high, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so oh, man. Back when it was the no Hornets. Yeah. <laughs> no Hornets. And how many, uh, how many uh, staff or teachers are you? About leading? 45 teachers. 45 teachers? Yeah. That's good. Oh, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Just well, teachers, yeah. Like that per ratio, 700 kids. Okay. That's a lot of kids. We kind of packed. a lot of kids. Yeah. A lot of kids. There's like 30 or 40 kids in yeah. each class. 30, about 30. So yeah. what, what, what is your vision for your school? And in terms of leadership, what are some things that you are implementing as a leader? Because you got to lead, you know, and you work in a city where, mm -hmm. like you said, there's a lot of people just burnt out, tired, mm -hmm. irritated, frustration. There are. system doing it. And some of them are just cruising on their way to tenure and just work their way out of the system and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but you come in with vigor and passion. Like, what is your vision? And it's, granted, it's not an election year. Um, <laughs> you already, got, <laughs> he already got the job. He's not running for office. Right, right. No, he only has five more years. <laughs> but <laughs> but you, I don't hear a lot about vision. And I think it's important to communicate that as well as a a minister um, in, in the school setting. Like, right. what is your vision and what are the things that you lead with? Like, how do you lead? Good. Uh, well, what are the th well, there's several things that I've, you know, as far as being a leader that I would like to see in uh, my school. I like to uh, see how kids stay up as far as being, learning with the times. Mm -hmm. I think we have to stay up. We have to be technology-based. We have to also be science and math-based. We have to be able to compete um, not with urban schools only, but we have to be able to compete with yeah. rural schools and suburban schools. So I like to raise the level of learning. I like to, our kids to be able to write fluently and read fluently. Yeah. And that means it's going to take a little bit of work from parents, to be honest with you. I have a yes. grandson that lives with me. And you got to sit down, you got to spend time and make sure that they read or do the math or do the science Absolutely. or whatever the assignment is. Absolutely. So we have to demand more. And I, w I would like to see parents be more involved. You know, stop just being, you know, sideline teachers. Yeah, I like them to right. be a part of the problems, a part of the solution to help us with the problems. And I think that's one of the things that uh, I see. Like, I would like to be more, have more parents involved, have us take education to a, a new level for us. You know, kind of creating vision for our students. Mm. You know, a lot of times kids leave middle school and they go to high school 
and they don't know what they want to do when they go to college. Yeah. Right. So I think we could uh, we could guide kids not to go to college just waste money, but to be useful. Mm -hmm. uh, we tell kids not to go to college. A lot of kids go to college for uh, like business, and I don't have a problem with communications. I don't have a problem with that, but the job for tomorrow and like engineering, mm -hmm. um, science and medicine, yeah, we want to tell, we want to kind of guide those kids into that direction because sure. if they don't get those jobs, people from abroad are going to get those jobs. Absolutely. So I want to always, I want to create vision and planning, not mm -hmm. just for, you know, the three years at middle school, but, you mm -hmm. know, four years in high school and kind of see your turnover, like I said, back in the, into the community over time. Yeah. And it's, it's a slow crawl right now, but I, and I'm starting to see, but uh, it takes time and patience. It takes, yeah. you know, persistence and mm -hmm. being consistent at the same time. How do you deal with the parenting fact where one, um, this, these generation of parents, they're, they're, they're getting younger. They have less parenting skills. Mm -hmm. There are no traditional things that are being passed down. No. Like our generation, there were certain things that were just passed down. So you understood and it was easy to, to you know implement those with your your family, your children. But now and we have more people involved, right? Discipline, it was a community. Yeah, yeah. It was more right community. now. That is not <laughs> like the case, like <laughs> yeah. you know. And then you find more of the school doing more parenting or mm -hmm. social work yep. or mm -hmm. counseling, right? You know. And the reality is, you cannot depend on a lot of parents because they're actually not parents. They're just the people that gave birth to these. Yeah, parents. right. Yeah. yeah, and it's affecting our entire culture of education, um, specifically in education. Like, how do you handle this reality? Because I've seen, you know, we see kids that all the time, he's like, this kid is not parented, his parents oh do not gosh. care yes. at all, yes. and trying to get them to show up and support and perform, <laughs> you might as well just forget about it. Trying to get them to show up to parents' garbage. Right, They're, or, you know, there's a lot of parents that are dealing with a, you know, or addictions, or, yeah. you know, yeah. forms of abuse, and they're just like, not, it's just a different time. I agree. Like, how do we adjust to this culture of lack? Mm -hmm. You know. Well, parents have parents have to realize they have to be parents first. They ca they can't try to be the child friend. They can't try to be cool with the kid. They gotta yeah. you know they gotta do the hard part in the early stages. They can't be afraid to discipline the kid, teach them about moral values, teach them about God, teach them about things that are important. You know, things that's going to help them in society. Mm -hmm. I think those are important things that they need to instill. It's not hard. It's not easy being a parent because a lot of times, we a lot of our kids come from single-parent homes where the yeah. mother works two jobs. And the kid's basically watching himself or herself. Yeah, so a yeah, lot of times they're yeah. on their own. So the eco social economic, you know, basis of our community kind of hurts, you know, <coughs> when we talk about how to raise kids. I mean, so mm -hmm. a lot of times the kids parent themselves. And if the parent doesn't speak English and the kid does, they take advantage of the parent. Yeah. So they got a leg up and they know that. So they become more Americanized or assimilate into our society and they kind of take advantage of, you know, the tools that they have to their disposal. So I think those are the things. Like I said, parents is very hard. Even as your kids get older, parents got to realize they don't be a parent in the early stages as the kid get older. It kind of creates the worst situation. Um, for the child, the child may you know experience you know being in the criminal system, um, struggling in school, mm. um, and drugs. All of those things are important. I think that's one of the things my mom and dad, you know, had to do with us. We having big family, they found something that you know they, we could have some moral value with church. Mm -hmm. You know, we were always in church, whether it was Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. That's mm -hmm. what it was. <laughs> Sometimes we used to be in for revivals all week long, 
And I'm, I'm not gonna say they lie to you all. We didn't yeah. like it. A lot of times we got we got churched out. Yeah. <laughs> and we went churched out. We're like, can we take a break from church? Break yeah. Break. So I mean, it was it was constant. It was instilling these values mm. and these practices, and it was a foundation. And they have to have foundation. Mm -hmm. um, you just can't let a kid go out in the middle of the ocean and try to swim and save himself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we start to see. Uh, I know they like to, you know, blame the schools and other things when the kids. Uh, they do. But it's not yeah. our fault. <laughs> no, when I mm -hmm. had, like I had, like I always say, I never had to go to a parent-teacher conference really, and you know, go to a hearing or no suspension or for anything. Uh, since I've been a parent, I mean, mm. I can. My mom and dad never had to go to school <coughs> because we didn't behave. Um, so those are not even for Chris. <laughs> not <laughs> even for you, man. <laughs> not even for Chris. But um, it's, yeah, it's not easy. I mean, because like I said, it's hard. The hard part starts in the beginning with the discipline and the love and the nurturing and the education. Uh, we look for other people to do that for us. We can't expect that to do be done by other people. So a question for you. So from my understanding, you're either a minister or a pastor at, yep. a, at a church. Yes. Where's your church at? My church is in East Bridgewater, 125 mm. Highland Street, East mm. Bridgewater. My father's still a, he's still a pastor mm. there. I mostly since I preach on mm. every other Sunday. So I've been helping him. I've, I think I was his first mm. member when he started his church way back then. So you um, kids do seven days a week now. Like <laughs> <you>. <laughs> no, they would kill me. <laughs> what's, the, what's the name of the church? It's called a New Jerusalem Tabernacle Prayer. Yeah. So uh, do you, uh, so with your role at the church and your role in the school system, do you find any type of conflict with those two roles mm. for no, yourself? No, not really because I, I kind of live the life I speak about, I talk, I preach about. I don't have to fake on Sundays and be somebody else on Mondays through Fridays. I am the man you see now, the man you're going to see in church, the man you're going to see in school. I'm just going to be the same person. I'm, I'm a, if I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian for real. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm, you know, I, I've walked the walk and talked the walk. And mm -hmm. I think uh, that's what I want to do, be just a role model for all the people. As a Christian, people mm -hmm. are always judging you. Yeah. And there's not even the sinners, but you, even some of the Christians are judging you to see if you're going to flip up. Oh, you know, you're going to fall by the wayside. So I think that's one of the things as a Christian, you know, it's best to be sincere and genuine than be fake. Uh, because when you're fake, you kind of fall. Mm. Do you think your peers or even those who are under you at work think that you're too lenient with the kids because of <laughs> your Christianity? That's a good question. Boom! <laughs> that's a really good question. <laughs> Have you heard something? Uh, huh? <laughs> Have you heard something? No, I've just lived the same walk. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that's a really good question, uh, Pastor. I think... Um, Passive, the I word is passive. <laughs> no, you said passive. I think that can happen sometimes. I do think, um, I, I don't call it too lenient. I think I don't want to call it fair. Mm. You know, sometimes being a black person or a black student, it seems like, you know, they get a little, get a little harsher and a little harder. Mm. Uh, not to say that people in the rural and suburb communities, uh, you know, don't get punished. Mm. But I, I don't have to be like, a, I don't punish kids for everything. There's always, there could be a teaching moment mm -hmm. as well. I know they are still kids and they're going to make mistakes. They're going to do stupid things. Um, and I do believe in, I'm a strong believer in discipline, but I have, I do have a heart of a goal as far as be forgiven and give a kiss a second chance. Mm. You know, like I said, God gave me a second chance. I, mm. I know I probably would have been dead if I didn't get that chance. So, mm. you know, I'm not willing to throw all the kids out, you know, into the river of the burn of hell. So um, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm here to help people. I mean, I, I like to discipline kids too, but I want to help people. I want to help 
make people better. I want to help save people. I want to see people go to college. I want to see people have a family. Yeah, that makes me happy. It's not about, really, it's not about the money. I, I had a kid that came in um, two days ago. He was a kid that I, when I did the internship at South Junior High uh, for my administration, he came back. I never, I always wondered what happened to those kids that it, I was trying to help mold to be better person. Um, he came back with his kids. He was a better person. He was working in the criminal system. Right. And that was my kind of my reward because he's not in jail. He's not dead. Mm -hmm. um, he has a family. He's being a good family man. And I think that's where the, the reward lies. Mm -hmm. And when you try to help people be better people and do the things that you do to see them successful. And that's my joy to see other people successful. It doesn't matter what, if I'm a teacher, whether I'm a Sunday school teacher, whether I'm in church or out of church. I want to see people, I want to see a lot of our people be successful in life. I yeah. think that's the key for me. Um, like I said, I don't have to have billions and millions of dollars just to see somebody mm -hmm. succeed every day that I kind of experience. Because when I was at the alternative school, there was a lot of kids I lost, um, yeah. either through yeah. death or jail. Yeah. And they were young kids. It was and bad I, back and then. I kind of was discouraging. It was real bad back then. <laughs> it was real bad. It was really yeah. bad. Kids were getting their heads blown they off. Sure were. It was sad. You know, I'm like, I can't believe it. Yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah. bad, really mm -hmm. bad. So um, you know, anytime we get a chance to save one, I, was, I could do a dance on the devil head all day. So mm -hmm. um, I, I, yeah. like, I love it, I you love it. I could do a dance with the devil all I day. I could dance yeah, on, on the, the devil head all day. That's right, man. Yeah. That's what yeah. it's all about. Right. And that's what I'm trying to do, save as many as I can. So with, with the, the new laws out um, regarding suspension, like the 222 law, um, do you feel like, that's kind of impacted the school negatively or positively? Because I know talk, speaking to a lot of teachers and administrators, a lot of people are unhappy that they can't suspend kids like they used to because of the new law changes. But with your style and how you approach, it's like we, us, me and um, Robbie working there, we see kids sitting in your office, just taking the time out, kind of relaxing, and then you send them back. When some cases that's not always the you know that's not always going to happen mm -hmm. so do you think with the new laws out do you think that's what 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 do you think are some of the pros and cons of that new law in the school system right now well with the Luke chapter 22 two law excuse yeah. me mm -hmm. um, i do believe that um when i was at the high school i do believe um kids were kind of being suspended for egregious things i mean like okay. ridiculous things right. um, i think uh you know i think it did cut down on a yeah. lot of suspensions that were ridiculous I do think uh, people think you're being lenient when you don't suspend as much. Um, I, I, I don't have a problem with Chapter 222 law. Um, kids that are being suspended now probably would probably been suspended back then as well. Right. Um, but the numbers have, you know, dwindled. I mean, the problem with that is you kind of become, you get in a clash with some of your your teachers because if kids be, they are suspended in my schools, but they have to do like egregious right. things like, you know, curse some teacher right, right, or get right, in a right. fight. Right. I'm just not throwing kids out for right. you know it's petty not, stuff. Like like at the, like at the high school, we have there are kids who have like over a hundred incidents. But yeah, they've never been suspended. That's but ridiculous. Back, though. back yeah. like ten years ago, that yeah. was never the case. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. When you get a kid with like that, a hundred incidents, yeah. you're like you're like, I'm not suspending you, but what are you doing? What are you right. learning? How you what are you learning from this experience? Right. You don't want to keep them out of school, and I think that's the big thing is that. I always say this, and I said I think I said this in a meeting. Um, people always say school, the prison is a pipeline in schools, or schools the prison the pipeline. I never believe that. Really? Mm. No, because never, never, because because one of the Please things. Please explain. Because listen, all of us have had the opportunity to go to school. Right. 
And I don't think none of the teachers that you had always encouraged you to be right. negative, to do things right. that are bad, yep. to go to prison. Right. Right. I right. think every right. time you have a teacher, I think they help you in order to be a better person. I don't think no teacher set out to say you fail, to say you're going to be in prison or make you do things that's not helpful to society. So, I mean, if you look at my family, like I said, five of us, all five of us, I think, went to school or not. I don't think none of us said, Dad, the teacher encouraged me to, you know, sell crap. The teacher said, he encouraged me mm. to do this. He want me to, he want to put me on, right. you know, to do this and do that. So, I mean, that, that's, think about what we're saying. Mm -hmm. Think about what our, our ancestors fought for. Yeah. Now we say, we're making excuses for education now. Right. Why are we saying stuff like this? Because it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Mm. We, we fought for the right to equal education. Now we're getting it. Now we kind of slapping the folks that fought for it in the face right now. Mm. Um, that's that, that's a, just a bunch of crock right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we got to be better than that. I think we got to be better than our ancestors. <coughs> no one's going to, the train is not going to slow down because we in the back. Mm. We got to try to figure out how to get train, to the front. You got some metaphors today. Train's not going <laughs> to slow down because we in the back. Yeah, we can, stand, we can sit in the back all we want, but the train's going to keep moving. Right. Yeah, we're either going to move with it or get you know left behind. Mm. Absolutely. I want to tell a story about this guy. Okay. <laughs> so my nephew, um, my wife's nephew, is um, Trayvon Offley. And Trayvon was going through one of the hardest times of his life, mm -hmm. and he ended up in the hospital. And this man, Principal Campbell, went to go visit him in the hospital. And that was such an impact on my wife's family's life. They couldn't believe wow. that this man. And, and, and the thing is, like, he was in the hospital for a long time. So, you know, it was a, you know, anybody else would have fired him. But this man held his job. You know, he held the job for him. And he went and went and visited him. And he prayed with him. And I was like... Thank you, somebody, you know, representing God right. So, you know, on behalf of the family, we just really want to thank you for, thank for you. doing that. And it made it made a, a, a large impact for the kingdom thank on my family. Man. Thank you. you know? I really thank you. For, thank you all. Yeah. One of the things, um, as we wrap up, um, they just see one aspect of this guy. He's out in the front. He's smiling. He's cheerful. He's helpful. What are the things that people don't see about you? What do they don't see, the behind the scenes? Behind the scenes. Yeah, how do they? How do you get to that point of, you know what I mean? Because I can hear, uh, since we've been talking, there's just the undertone of this guy's like, oh, there's levels to this dude. You know what I mean? Like, he has layers. Yeah, like, like you, you have an astute, like, look, I'm going for it. And I'm not, you're not going to stop me. This is what's going to happen. You know, like, what are the, but then you, but you don't project that all the time. It's more like, no, I'm going to be reserved. And, you know, I'm going to, I hear you. Up, this is what I'm gonna do. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, you, uh, a lot of times you get, you gotta be calculated. I think a lot of times, as black people, we cry about the system. Mm. You know, like I always say, we got we can sit here and cry about the system, but you gotta, so you gotta have a plan. You gotta, and you gotta be able to figure out how to execute your plan. Mm. I got a family. I gotta figure out how to survive. Mm -hmm. So you know, you gotta get up to go to work. You know, you see your kids see you go to work. You got to instill, you got to, sometimes you got to yell at your son, you got to yell at your daughter, you got to scream, you got to do other things too with your family. You got, like, I play bass in the choir, church as well, so I, there are a lot of other things that I do. Um, I work out like Mr. Wells, I check him out on, the, you know, on the live, lifting 315 over his head. So there's a lot of things that keep you, like, you know, stable. And, um, you know, the, the, the character that you have comes from you within, 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you want to be the best dad, the best husband. That means being loyal. And a lot of times people, you know, do things for the wrong reason. So, uh, you know, I try, like I said, I try to, you know, do God's work as far as being fair and genuine, do things that I enjoy. I try to be the real down-to-earth person that I am. And I try to be fake and, you know, high on the paddle. So I just try to be myself. But um, as far as the layers, you know, I, I still love football. I still love to be competitive. I teach all the kids that. You Are know, you still coaching? I still coach, still volunteer coach. coach. Okay. I, be, I truly believe in winning. I don't right. like to lose. <laughs> I do take it personal. So how do you feel about the team now? <laughs> we're going to take a commercial break at the same Yeah, you know. We, uh, we showed some improvements this year. <laughs> yeah, but I take all of that personal. I mean, right, I good, do tell good. Yeah, there I don't believe, I believe in preparation and hard work, you know, mm-hmm. breed success. And uh, when I don't feel like kids are doing what they're supposed to do. You know, I take it personal. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like the whiny stuff. I don't want to mm-hmm. hear people whine and making excuses. Yeah. Because that don't help you at the end of the day. You're not. A, that can't. We can't afford to, you know, fall, you know, to the wayside, crying about what you don't have, what you don't want. You know, people are always going to give us stuff, and I don't want people to give me anything. I want to be able to say I earn it all on my Absolutely. own, and that's the same thing I want to teach our kids. Yeah. Then you could you could stand on your own two feet. Absolutely. And say I earned, this is what I earned. This is what I got. I went to school for. I work hard for this, and right. yeah, yeah, I don't want someone to give us something. I want us to always be able, be able to earn what we want. And if you earn it, you appreciate it. You appreciate it a lot sure. more. There's 99, 11 of y'all in a three-bedroom house, apartment, <laughs> yeah. in, yeah. the, in the 80s, yeah. on Strider right. Street. You can do it. Which you was can the do height it. of, we, he, that's the background. We didn't paint the scene. He mm-hmm. just glazed over it. <laughs> of the height of the crack academic. Oh, my yes. In yeah, 83. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was. They moved into the middle of the worst. <laughs> Part of the yes, <laughs> that is the God's honest truth, without a doubt, because we live down mm-hmm. the street, and I know what was happening mm-hmm. on Turner Street. Sharing chicken pox. Sharing. We also moved on Green Street they too. You yeah. on Green Street too? Right. Man, okay. when it was you're hot. Not, you're not oh, naming any good streets. So no, no man. that's <laughs> right. You're naming the affordable streets, right? You could come from that, right? Yeah. yeah. The worst of the worst was. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. where they had to make you know water out of wine. That's right. You know, <laughs> and you went on. You got a full ride of uh, scholarship to uh, one, one of the top mm-hmm. schools in the country. You know, because you worked hard yeah. for it. Nobody yeah. just gave it to you. You wait and worked for sixteen years yes. in a very prejudiced mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> educational. City. Started with a flat top and he didn't get it until he was bald. Wait, did you have a flat top <laughs> back in the day? Yeah, you always had a bald. I had a flat top. Yeah, I had I had a flat top. Well, listen, man, uh, we definitely want to pray for you because uh, we, we 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 definitely uh, support what you're doing. Yeah, thank you all. Um, you are doing uh, you know God's work out here. You know God's work is kingdom work. Kingdom Absolutely. work is amen, not just amen. standing on the block, passing out tracks, telling people That's about right. Jesus. That's it right. Just that. No. no. It's the day in, day out, mm-hmm. showing the love of God. That's right. Seeing transformation happen, and you know, looking after His sheep, That's after right. His children. That's right. And you know, <laughs> leading. You know, I, I met your daughter in your school. And she carries the same attitude you do. You know what I mean? And, like, yep. that says a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we salute that, man. And that's what we're all about here on mm-hmm. Three Kings. We want to highlight royalty. Um, not just drama and junk and, 
somebody Amen. got something to say about whatever. That's not Amen. what our goal and objective is, man. So mm. we salute you. Amen. Salute you. Yeah. Amen. Pastor Revs, can you uh, you know, spark a prayer for our brother as we close out? All right. Father, we just want to thank you for what you have instilled in your son. Thank you for his legacy. Thank you for his family's legacy. Thank you for a bright light in a dark world. Uh, we pray that you will continue to cover him because not even the enemy likes that we are highlighting you through this man. We pray that you will cover him. We pray, Lord God, that he will be an influence to others yes, and that um, more people uh, would step up and be um, principals, be leaders in our city, maybe even all the way to, to being mayor. Yes, but God. we yes. just pray that yes. um, at the end of his legacy, we can look back and say there was a difference because he was in it because he brought you in it mm. so we thank you for his, we thank you for his family uh his extended family as well that you continue to cover them as well and that we'll all be blessed by their presence in your son's name we pray amen amen cc appreciate you coming through man thank you until amen. next time man peace amen god bless peace. amen honor privilege thank you for tuning into this episode of the three kings podcast Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Three Kings Podcast or visit us on the web at his3kings.com. Until next time, let a king be a king. Peace.